I, I want to welcome you to today's edition of The Bradley Hall Show. And I am your host, The Bradley Hall. Hi, welcome back. I am The Bradley Hall. Uh, this is my second podcast. Um, I, I'm a holistic life coach and a trauma recovery coach and a mindfulness instructor. Um, you can find more information about what I do at thebradleyhall.com and uh, also my YouTube channel, uh, The Bradley Hall, uh, aka The Health Preacher. Uh, this is my podcast and in my podcast I am committed to uh, discussing and having difficult conversations and in an attempt to discover the truth around subjects that I think are important for people to have accurate information, be able to make more informed decisions uh, that impact, positively impact their physical health, their mental health, uh, that includes nutrition and exercise and uh, meditation relationships and uh, those types. So I, I appreciate you tuning in and uh, we'd ask you, uh, we'd like to ask you to, to like, share and subscribe and help us uh, spread the word. As I said, this is our second podcast, and uh, the first was very special, and if you haven't checked it out, please do so. I, uh, I discussed my MPE status, uh, MPE is not parent expected, and uh, discovering that my father wasn't my biological father at a very late age, and uh, I had two very special guests and a twist on the podcast, so be sure to check that out. Uh, I'm very grateful to have uh, have that uh, those two guests as my first, my first podcast. Uh, but today is also special, and uh, I actually think that I'm probably going to say that uh, a lot. I have a lot of uh, very interesting people that are close to me lined up uh, in the future. So again, be sure that you, you subscribe. Uh, a little over 15 years ago, I uh, embarked on a journey of self-discovery that can only be described as remarkable. Uh, each step I've, I've taken through this process, I've learned not only more about myself, uh, but about human behavior in, in general. Uh, it's opened a lot of doors and, and it's it's taken me farther than I ever thought possible. And the the more I the more I go through this journey, um, the more I realize it's it's just beginning, that there's so much more uh, ahead of me. In this journey I have uh, I faced some personal demons. Um, and uh, it's been dark at times, but it's been, been truly a rewarding journey. And you'll hear me say uh, often that I've been through more in my lifetime than most people will ever go through there in lifetime. And, um, and that, that is accurate. And uh, I'll be, I'll be a, some of it self-inflicted, but it's still uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of trauma. But I've learned... I've learned, I've chosen to learn from, from each experience, and, and I, I, I'm looking to bring that here to this podcast. Um, but what I didn't realize through a lot of, a lot of the, the self-inflicted trauma itself was how much the self-inflicted trauma is actually attributed to many of the other traumatic things that happened to me as I was growing up. And I began to learn um, that that's what trauma does. And that's our topic today. Uh, my guest today is uh, Bobby Parrish. Uh, Bobby Parrish um, is uh, she's a trauma recovery coach and the executive director of the International Association of Trauma Re Recovery Coaches. 
she endured uh, endured many years of childhood abuse, and uh, that led to uh, her battle uh, with mental illness. Uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby experienced a few occasions of homelessness um, and hospitalizations, psychiatric hospitalizations. Um, and because of those things, as she came out, she wanted to create a recovery model that better supported people who had endured trauma. Uh, she pioneered the field of trauma recovery coaching and set up the first certification program uh, in the entire world. Uh, today, she teaches uh, hundreds of students how to be highly, high, how to be high-quality trauma-informed coaches. And uh, she and her wife Sarah are parents of three teenagers, and they split their time between Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, Bristol, in the United Kingdom. Um, she is uh, quite respond, quite lucky to to have met Bobby. I'm actually certified through her program. I'm a trauma recovery coach through her program, um, and. Not only did I join to, to get the certification to learn more about coaching, but in, in the process, I took another giant leap in my own recovery. And for that, I am uh, I'm extremely grateful for Bobby. I, I want to welcome you to today's edition of The Bradley Hall Show. I am your host, the Bradley Hall. All right, welcome, Bobby. Welcome. Thank you, Bradley, for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I'm so glad you're here. Um, we have so much we can talk about, um, for sure. So. Yes, and I think a lot of things that need to be need to be heard and said. There's so much fear out there that's overriding everything else. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to having this discussion with you. Sure. Good. Good. Me too. Been looking to it. Looking forward to it uh, all week. You know, um, since we, we talked about it. So, um, at, at first, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, about you. Um, okay. You know, we we read your bio. Yeah. And I wanted to give you a chance to um, give a short introduction on your own. Kind of in your own words, if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, my name is Bobby Parrish. I'm a trauma recovery coach and the executive director of the International um, Trauma Recovery Coaching Association. Um, I grew up in trauma, steeped in trauma, um, and it really was very damaging to me. I had pretty severe mental illness um, from about the ages of 22, um, probably almost until 35. Um, was homeless for a while, bounced in and out of psychiatric wards, um, lost jobs due to my mental illness, just had a really, really rough time. And coming out of that on the other end, you know, when I first started getting, trying to get help, there wasn't a lot of info out there about trauma. Um, it just wasn't even on the, you know, on the books for people, no scientific research. Um, so a lot of the reason it took me so long to get better is because I didn't have trauma-informed help. So I came out of this on the other end and went, this can't be the same for other people. It just can't. So went back and got my master's degree, um, worked as a therapist for a while, but 
began to realize the importance of that connection relationship between the healer and the person who wants to be healed. And within the realms, within that box that therapy sets up, um, it doesn't engender or welcome that connection. So I moved over into trauma recovery coaching um, and found for me the sweet spot for trauma recovery. It is that connection. Trauma disconnects us on a huge scale, disconnects us from ourselves. we self-abandon, um, disconnects us from other people, and then disconnects us from the world at large. So now I focus on teaching people how to become trauma recovery coaches and how to go out in the world and work with trauma survivors and give them that high quality trauma-informed care and also work really hard on building that relationship. Um, when I was in recovery, bouncing around therapists, uh, psychiatric wards, people kept saying to me, well, you know, because I'd say, I just want to be loved. I just want to be loved. And they'd say, well, you know, no one's going to love you until you learn to love yourself. And it was like, well, okay, then I'm done. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, so I found a therapist who did that for me. She taught me how to love myself. And she taught me how to love other people. And I tell people interpersonal trauma, so trauma sustained within the course of a relationship, whether it's child abuse, domestic violence, bullying, workplace harassment, trauma sustained within a relationship cannot be completely healed just by talking about it. It has to partially, at least partially be healed within the course of a relationship. And that's what we're about as trauma recovery coaches. So that's me. Um, I am married, my wife, um, and I have three teenagers and really, really high food bills. Um, and we separate our time between Bristol and the United Kingdom and here in Dallas, Fort Worth. I appreciate you, you sharing. Um, so obviously that's why we're here today. Yep. Uh, Bobby is, um, is the head of the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaches. Um, real quick, do you want to touch on the, the difference between therapy and coaching? Yes, absolutely. Um, so therapy, we don't diagnose, we don't treat mental illness, we don't talk about medications, prescribe medication. Um, we help trauma survivors who have gotten through that um, initial phase of their recovery that needs the skill level of a therapist, um, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, uh, maybe even some inpatient work. And they're past that point where they're working on those really, really, really heavy parts of their recovery that require a lot of support. And so when they, I use the analogy of someone who's, you know, had a horrible accident. And so they're in the hospital, they're not ambulatory, they can't take care of themselves. So we take trauma survivors after they're able to be ambulatory and they're able to walk on their own two feet and they're able to move forward without needing um, that high level um, care. And so we come in as peers. We're not experts. We're not um, higher end. There's no power differential. Um, we come in as experts. Trauma recovery coaching is entirely client led because we believe that within ourselves, within each one of our clients, they know what they need to do in order to get where they want to get. 
maybe they feel a little wobbly about it because they've never had anybody empower them or remind them that they are capable and they're worthy and they're lovable and they're deserving of having a good life. So um, once we you know, can do some of that work, then we find, yeah, they're ready to go. They know where they wanna go and we're just right there next to them. They're driving the car, we're riding shotgun. Um, and you know, just to make sure and mention that if we hit a hard spot, you know, as trauma recovery coaches, we're well-versed in safety. So if we have a client who hits a hard spot, maybe they relapse from an addiction or they develop suicidal ideology, then we know to go out and bring back in that team member who has that expertise. Um, yeah, so it's all about walking alongside trauma survivors and helping them find that life they love to live. Yeah, I, I, thank you. Thank you for explaining that. And this is what I love. Uh, and for uh, our listeners, this is how Bobby and I are connected. Uh, so I, I, I've been on a personal path of my own recovery for about 15 years. Um, and recent, uh, recently, uh, through recent events that I've gone through, I connected with uh, an amazing person who I love dearly. I'll give her a big shout out, Dr. Paulette Bethel. Um, and Paulette encouraged me to check out your program. And when I looked at it, I found that's exactly what I was looking for. I didn't know what I was looking for. Um, I've been a coach for a long time. I've been a personal trainer and I'm a mindfulness instructor. I've, I've been a life coach. I've helped people along the way for years. Uh, and, but I didn't know that this is exactly what I was looking for. And the, uh, what I love about coaching the most is that a coach, uh, is, does not interfere as, as you already mentioned, I'm going to repeat, does not interfere with medical attention whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, with the, the their, their psychiatrist, psychologist, the, the therapy that they're going through. Yep. Can one either assist that or two, take it from here? Yes, either and, way. Yeah, yeah. And I, I like to think that it's someone who is, uh, is or, and metaphorically kind of isolated, kind of goes through what they need to go through to learn a few things. And then they open the door and then we're standing there to take them back out in, into the world and help them take what they've learned and, and apply it. And anytime there's confusion, we always can give someone else advice, yep. but we're, we're not always really good at giving ourselves advice. And that's what we're here for. When it gets, it gets when there's confusion, we're here to help them sort through the confusion exactly. to make the choices with the skills that they've been, they've already been learning. Would you yeah. say that's a fair yeah. assessment? Absolutely. Find clarity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, a lot of trauma survivors, when they get to me, even though they're ambulatory, their head might still be reeling. Why did they do that to me? You know, what happened? Where did something fall apart? You know, human beings are creatures of meaning. And we want to know why did this happen? You know, so sometimes one of the best things we can do for our clients is help them sort that out so that they have the understanding and clarity that they need in order to say, okay, I get it now. Now I can move on. And the other thing I love about coaching is that and this isn't, this isn't meant as a derogatory statement towards therapists whatsoever. But one of the problems I always had through, through my self-journey is that finding therapists who really didn't seem to have much of a traumatic childhood at all, they had, they had a school education, but it, I always felt like there was a disconnect that they couldn't relate to what I was going through. Yes. And with your organization, the people that I've encountered mm -hmm. so far so I, 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 only, I can only go off my own experience, but it seems like 
all the people I've experienced have all experienced trauma and they, their trauma and their recovery has led them here to help other people. And exactly. so they have that experience. Is that, is that a, a fair statement with, with all of your, most of your coaches? Yeah, 99% of our coaches are trauma survivors themselves. And our program is entirely taught by, led by, developed by, and managed by trauma survivors. Every single one of our management team, our teaching team, all of our coach mentors, all of them are trauma survivors. And I, frankly, I take a lot of pride in that. I I know you do. And I take pride that I am now uh, one of your, your coach mentors. And uh, I'm really looking forward to being a part of this organization for a very, very, very long time. Um, So to finally tie all this in, that's why I'm here. I'm a trauma recovery coach certified through Bobby's program uh, in the second phase of the certification process. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking forward to a long relationship. So, okay. So I'd like to shift gears for a second. Let's do it. You know, we this was this was designed as one episode, and uh, I think we're we're probably going to be in two, three, four parts before this is over. We have a lot yeah. to talk about. Right now, we have a major uh, precedent in uh, not only our nation but worldwide. We have a very serious issue with a worldwide pandemic. Yeah. Um, and what we've seen over the last week. Uh, in particular, has just amounted to chaos, and there's there's so much informa- misinformation. Yeah. And in a time like this, uh, informa- pertinent information, correct information, and uh, and leadership is so important. Um, so I wanted to take a minute a minute to talk about, and and I actually I I I've talked to a, a, a few friends of mine who are experts in different fields, and all of them said. They, this is overdone, which is amazing. This has only been happening for the last four to seven days. And they said, this is overdone. It's being talked about too much. It's going to be white noise. And I, I don't believe so. I think what is critical right now, and this is what I want to have a conversation with you about, is to talk through, this is causing trauma. And this is, and this is new trauma. This is triggering old trauma. This, right. is, this, is, this has PTSD written all over it in a collective yeah. form. PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. My wife said that this morning when she went to the grocery store, that there was, there were people in the grocery store and everyone was calm. Everyone's fine. No one's fist fighting. I've seen those videos, sadly. But she said that that this wasn't like that at all, but she said that the air was different. Yes. There was a somber feeling like, like it was a funeral. Like this was like, this was it. This was the end of it. Right. Um, and it really got me to think, and I, I say got me thinking, uh, I, I've been all over this from the very beginning, but um, we, we need to talk about this. We need to, to, to get the word out. Yeah, because if we don't, and we don't address this, then it's going to make harder, it's going to make it much harder for our world and our individual citizens and our communities to recover from it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's like people, if you have a child who's being abused, the the best thing that we can do for that child is not only to intervene, but to then to get them help as soon as possible. And the sooner you get that child help, the much more more um, more complete and more easy their recovery can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if we don't 
talk about this and we don't educate people and we don't let them know your feelings are okay, but here's what we can do with them rather than fear mongering. Um, it's just, you know, it's the same as when, you know, heaven forbid, you know, World War II, Katrina, um, the tsunami um, that we had 10 years ago or so now, you know, when there is a collective disaster, there is a collective trauma. And we have to right. name it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is exactly what we're experiencing. It kicks in the survival instinct, which is what causes trauma to begin with. Yes. And exactly. the brain doesn't have the ability to know whether you are legitimately going to be eaten by a bear or destroyed by a weapon right now, or if you are worried about having food or toilet paper. Right. You and know, that's our biology. You know, when our limbic system kicks into that, detects that threat and kicks in, our prefrontal cortex, which is reasoning and logic, it goes offline. And it's designed to react because our brain doesn't want us going, mm, okay, there's a bear. He's about, oh, 10 meters away from me. I think if I just go this way, you know, your brain is set to react. You know, That's to, right. To fight, to flee, you know, and it pours out that adrenaline and that cortisol and we can, you know, run faster and, um, you know, hit harder, be stronger. Um, so when when we feel that fear, you know, it's if if you feel fear and you're not thinking clearly, know that that's the way that your brain is designed to work. Absolutely, and it's it's a very it's a very intelligent system, but it's also a, a very simple system. Yeah. Um, it, it's not designed to process, like you said. It's it's designed to make an immediate decision to get you out of danger. Yep. Exactly. Uh, but it can't rationalize the difference between a real threat and a perceived threat. Yep. And, and, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure as we go along, we'll get deeper into that as it, as we get into to, uh, the, the, the childhood abuse and, and the childhood trauma. Right. Uh, but in, in this, in this case, and, and the toilet paper is, is, and it's, it's funny. I've made my, my jokes as well. Okay. I get it. But, it is the true indicator that trauma causes us to react in ways we wouldn't normally react. It causes us to become something that we, we wouldn't rationally ever think we'd become. Right. Would you agree with that, that statement? I agree with that. But I also want to add in the element that panic is contagious. Absolutely. So if I'm walking down, you know, if I walk into Costco and I didn't walk into Costco feeling afraid or panicked, but I get there and I see a hundred people all with two packs of toilet paper in their cart. I hear that, you, I begin to feel that vibration of fear rise within me. And the more I see, and even though maybe initially I can go, wow, okay, I understand they're afraid. Um, I don't need to be afraid, I'm okay. But the more we see it, and then if we walk down the aisle and we see, oh my gosh, there's only six packages of toilet paper left that panic rises even more. And That's so right. now I'm going to find myself piling toilet paper in my cart, even though I don't need toilet paper, because I'm literally feeding off the panic That's right. around me. Right. So even if I you know, walk home and go, I have no idea why I did that. That was the silliest thing. But in that moment, 
it was exactly what my body told me I needed to do. Right. Because if you were in your village and a tribe of raiders rode into your village and your village people from the other side of the village began ran running in a panic, you didn't have time to stop and ask them why they were running. You just ran with them. Exactly. Yeah, it's survival. It is. And yeah. one person sees the toilet paper's gone and they take a picture and post it on social media and say, the toilet paper's all gone. And then everyone else interprets that, oh my gosh, all the toilet paper's gone. And what do they do? They run to the store and buy the toilet paper. Now, now we have the beginning of, of what we have now. Yes, and, and I love it because it's a very symbolic, metaphorical representation of, I think, what is like encapsulates that community fear. Absolutely. Um, and I do think that as, you know, as we, that I think this will hopefully, this issue with the toilet paper will ride its course. The grocery stores will have more toilet paper and we'll be okay. But I wouldn't be surprised if it then moved on to something else. I agree. You know? I agree. But um, I don't want anybody to feel bad or to be ashamed because they went out and bought six packs of toilet paper. Absolutely, I agree. Absolutely. You know, um, I want people to be more than anything. I want us to be tolerant and gentle with ourselves and tolerant and gentle with one another. Absolutely. Very well said. Yeah. I think I, I'm, a, I'm a big uh, Carl Jung fan. And, you know, Carl Jung is, is famous for you have to face the monster. And, I, and so this discussion is just pointing out the obvious to get people to stop and think of not only why they may have or someone they know may have gone after the toilet paper. Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen this in, in other instances, too, where you've been at a sporting event or a concert and someone throws down a box that maybe has pens or posters or hats or something. And as soon as two or three people run to the box, everybody's on top of the box. People are grabbing handfuls and, and it, it's just mass chaos. And this is exactly what we've seen here. So I think the, aware, the awareness is key. That's what we're trying to bring to people. It's just so we can kind of dissect this a little bit and, yeah. and, and let people know, um, you know, just calm, calm down. We can calm down and relax. Um, you know, and this is getting a little bit ahead of where I wanted to get with this. But, you know, this is serious. We had we had a week ago, we had people saying this is not a big deal. Two weeks ago, and, and this goes back actually two months, and but that, I don't want to get into all that. Right. But we had people saying this is not a big deal. Right. And, 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 and people repeated it. No big deal. No big deal. And people repeated that. People, there's a lot of misinformation. It's, it's the same thing as the flu. It is not the same thing as the flu. It's a variation of the flu, but it has a, high, a higher mortality rate. And it does affect seniors at a larger rate. So what we're, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to flatten the curve. But this, this is not the plague. Nope. This is not HIV. This nope. is not uh, Ebola. It's not going to wipe out the population. This is not the end of the world. No. And as I was trying to correct people on, on social media, I, I, took, I took charge of this. I intentionally tried to flood my social media page with with correct information I, be, I then began to be accused of trying to incite panic which was was not which what a paradox yeah, yeah what a paradox 
and and but I realize it's because uh, you know human nature is um, when we heard it's not a big deal, that meant it's not a big deal. Calm down. But then when we start talking about it might be a big deal, suddenly that's tipping the scales completely the other direction. And we live in a polarized society where it's either or. So right. people either it's either a big deal or it's not a big deal. Yes. The reality is this is this lies in the middle, right? I mean, this Absolutely. is serious. This is, this is scary. And, you know, people will lose their lives. Um, and for me, I look at also the financial aspect of it. People are going to lose their businesses. You know, people are going to, um, you know, be bankrupted or not be able to feed their families. Um, and those are very serious issues alongside the, you know, someone in my family is going to get very, very ill and they may pass away. That's right. That's absolutely right. There isn't any kind of panic that will help that not happen. And there isn't any kind of panic that will help us mitigate that from happening. And it will stop it. Either one. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, but what, what will help is uh, to, follow, to follow protocol. Yep. Uh, to slow slow the spread, self-containment, and uh, try to contain the virus. The uh, self-isolation, try to contain the virus, slow the spread. And what the slow what 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 the containment measures are meant to do is not overwhelm the medical system. Right. Because this virus is serious enough that that many people need hospitalized. Even young people. I hear a lot of young people say, "Well, it doesn't affect young people." That is not entirely true. It no. does affect young people. Many people need hospitalization and then they recover fully. And the problem is, is if we overwhelm the entire medical system, then triage begins to happen. Then you force the medical workers to make decisions of who gets treated and who doesn't simply because there's not enough resources. Yeah. Now, and talk about trauma. Absolutely. Can you absolutely. imagine? The, the reality is uh, not only for the, you know, the medical workers are making decisions of who gets to live and who doesn't. Um, but even if you're 20, 34 years old and your grandmother is one of those that's not chosen to make it, that, that also dramatically affects you and causes trauma. Yeah. So people are going to get sick. Most yeah. of them are going to recover. 97% of the people are going to recover, 96 to 97, depending on the numbers. Yeah. We just want to spread this out over the course of two months, 60 days, rather than 14 days. Right. Uh, which, which is the point. So we you know, we, we need to uh, self-isolate, contain, be smart. Um, the toilet paper will make its way back on the shelves. Yes, it will. You know, the, the supply chain is not going to be affected for this for another couple of weeks, if at all. Yeah. Right. We just don't want people in large places. It doesn't mean that the warehouse won't put the toilet paper on the truck and the truck driver won't drive to his destination and unload the skids of toilet paper in the grocery store and that right. they won't put them back on the shelves. So right. it, will be, it will be there. It will be there. And if it's not, if it's not, people in general, especially the American people, have a way of pulling together and protecting each other. Yes. And that, more than anything, is the element that I want people to tap into. Because just as fear is contagious, hope and cheer are contagious. Absolutely. I don't know if you've seen those... Um, if you've seen, Brad, those uh, clips on the news or on YouTube of the Italian people out on their balconies. Yes. 
thing, you know, um, that's what I want. That's where I want us to shift from is yes, we have, we have a serious situation. It's okay to have a measured, prudent amount of fear. I'm not telling people don't be afraid at all. Um, because if you're not afraid, you might get cavalier. You're one of those people who's standing, you know, in the big crowd, you know, exposing yourself to the coronavirus. So a measured, prudent amount of fear. But then let's put together the rest of that emotional energy into how do we get through this? Absolutely. You know, how do I help those people, all of those um, poor disabled and elderly people who are in nursing home and care homes who aren't getting any visitors. That's right. Absolutely. How do I help these families who've run out of food? You know, let's focus on that altruism because if there's one thing I know, it's that altruism can conquer fear. Absolutely. And one of the other things that I think is key here is this is going to force people to finally slow down. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. I, we, we, I read the other day that the average American takes in 150 newspapers worth of information per day. Wow. No wonder we are collectively going insane. Right. Our brain, we can't handle that. No. And, and not only from the information standpoint and the lack of rest, and, and there's been plenty of studies done with the lack of lack of rest and lack of sleep. It causes it causes mental illness. It does. It but does. on top of that, the trauma from the wars and the, the arguments, the political arguments, the, the spin, the, the, the COVID-19, all this is trauma. We're taking this in. When you read a story about children who are starving in a remote village somewhere, it breaks your heart a little. You have compassion. And yeah. and and unless we i mean and the other thing we're not talking about is the shift from from the left brain to the right brain that once you become overloaded you right. can't take it you don't have any more compassion because your brain's like we can't do this anymore and it, it begins to shut the compassion off which i fear as a society is beginning to happen to us just because of that that statistic i just gave you with 150 newspapers right and you know ultimately when it comes down to the very core of us we are built for the survival. You know, we have so many mechanisms built into our body, to, you know, to just survive. And if I need to be looking out for me to survive, compassion's not always a helpful tool. That's exactly right. So yes, absolutely. We can go get those people, you know, we have to be so prepared to, and I, I'll bring this up and then walk away from it because it, it frustrates me. We have to watch for people who are going to prey upon our fear. You know? Who has the 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer and was price gouging them. Um, there will be people who will prey upon those moments when we don't have compassion who will prey upon those moments when we are more panicked and fearful than open and loving and grounded um, in knowing that we are going to be okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Which also brings me to another point. I've seen a lot of people say, uh, and th this leads to the the conspiracy thought that this is a this is a hoax. I've seen people say the media is driving your fear, and I want people to understand that the media is a collective. It is a non-human entity. Yes. And there are people in the media. But what the media is designed to do and what has always been designed to do, and now even more so with algorithms, the media is designed to give people what they want. Yes. And the more you respond to what they're giving you, the more they're going to give it to you. Yes. So it's really, it's really driven by us. Yep. And that's, it's hard to take that responsibility to think that I'm responsible. I'm partly responsible for the fear that's being handed out because, because I buy into it. Right. And I, I think that's a critical aspect. It's, it's, it, it goes along with, I've said for years, um, you know, my, my grandparents were, uh, worked for General Motors. My grandmother worked for General Motors and they were very big on buy American when I was young. Okay. And the, I hear, I think all the time when I hear people, we're, we're, we're getting a little bit off topic, but it is, it does correlate. Uh, I hear people all the time talk about how uh, everything's made in China and we need to buy American made. We need to bring our jobs back, which was the core of the, the, the last election. Right. Um, yet they still grocery shop or they still shop in a place that sells all their products from China. And so if you, if we, we, I, this isn't pointing fingers. If we intentionally shop, and buy things that are American made, then those places are forced to carry products that are American made. Yes. But it's, it's, we want to judge, but then we want to survival instinct. We want to save money, but then we want to com complain and, and point everywhere else. And the, this media concept is the exact, is the exact same thing. Well, and it's, um, you know, it's the element of accountability. You know, what is it in my life that I am going to feed? And what is it in my life that I'm going to starve? So um, I'm not going to pay as much attention to the fear and the panic and the fear mongering. Instead, I'm going to focus more of my attention on, okay, you know, um, I'm home from work for so many weeks. My kids are home from school. What are we going to do with this time? How are we going to, like you said, slow down? How are we going to take advantage of this time and do something constructive rather than spend all of these weeks in fear, you know, um, you know, waiting for the toilet paper to come back. Right. You know? right. Yeah. I mean, we have, we have choices and we need to feed what we want to grow and starve what we don't want to grow. I posted on social media the other day and said, this self-containment period is a great time for you to finish the projects that you've you've been wanting to do. Right. Um, and, and and so many people jumped all over. So they're cleaning out closets. They're you know laying their tile floors. People are painting. People. This is this is the beauty in all this. Going back to the balcony, people are singing on the balcony. Yeah. I would imagine there was a time in history where people in that town often sang together on a balcony. I would imagine, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it was 30 years ago, 70 years ago, or, or 300 years ago, but I guarantee that is not the first time that's happened. And it's beautiful that's happened. I've seen some reports um, in, in, in China that uh, in some of the areas where they had the outbreaks and they've self-contained that the, 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 uh, the air quality has significantly improved just in the last four to six weeks. 
Wow. I know in Italy um, that in uh, that some of the canals are because the people are home. The canals are, are clean. They're, they're clear. They're able to see the bottom. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot of good that's going going to come from this as well. Yes. It's also it's also going to change the way we live. Right. So I, I work with IT students and I've heard all week all their companies are sending people home to work from home. And we both know all those people aren't going to come back to the office in, in two months. They're not going to want to. No, no. And but companies are also going to find that they can they can have their productivity probably went up. They can have their employees at home. Their costs are going to go down for their overhead. Yep. And so we're going to see more of that. We're going to see them education. A lot of the students are, are being being homeschooled or or going online and universities and, and, and brick and mortar school systems are going to be able to teach online. So there are so many changes coming from this. It's going to, there's no doubt it's going to change the way we live, but it's not Armageddon. It's not. No. It's and not I think Stephen King novel and we're not going to be, you know, bringing, no. bringing a cart through the town and piling our dead onto the cart to bury them or burn them or whatever they did during the plague. It's, exactly. it's just not going to happen. No. But let's, I just, I guess what I want more than anything is for people to walk away from this, watching this or listening to this and knowing that however they feel, they feel, you know, how we feel does not have to inform our behavior. So it's okay to feel, but invest your time and your knowledge and your behavior on something altruistic and personally developmental you know one of my daughters is learning dutch that's very cool i told her you need to learn mandarin chinese <laughs> out there um but yeah you know find something that you've never had the time to do and always wanted to do you know if if you've been working you know, 80 hours a week on the job, and now all of a sudden you're working from home. What a beautiful opportunity to connect with your spouse and your children. That's right. That's you, right. you know, have that Monopoly marathon, you know, or let right. the teach you how to play Mario Kart. Um, whatever it is, you know, go play soccer out in the backyard. Um, I know, and I understand the flip side of this too is that children are home from school. We don't yeah. want moms and dads to feel like if I feel overwhelmed, I'm not a good mom or dad. That's right. That's you know, right. I think that so much of that, Brad, out there right now, if I don't buy toilet paper, I'm not a good person. If I buy, buy toilet paper, I'm a hoarder. I'm not a good person. If, um, you know, I... Um, you know, don't go to the movie with my friends when they really want me to. I'm a bad friend. You know, this happens. I'm a bad mom. No. No. Let's kick those thoughts right out of our head. Yeah, I saw, I, I actually saw on social media people saying, I have to go to the store to buy toilet paper for my family, but I'm afraid people are going to judge me. Yes. I saw that several times. Yes. Uh, and that's exactly, and, and it was, it was funny. They were, they were being funny and, and, and you know, True. Everyone, everyone deals with, with trauma differently. And I don't judge anyone making jokes out of this and, unless they're cruel. That's a completely different conversation. But the, there's an element of truth to every statement. They didn't say it unless they, unless they thought it. Exactly. Exactly. And I've talked with moms who have really large families, like eight, nine, ten kids. And so they go to the grocery store to do their traditional weekly shopping. 
and people are like, you're hoarding food. What's the matter with you? Put some of that back. And that's not what's happening. But yeah, some people will reach to anger. Some people will reach to bitterness. Some people will reach to selfishness. Um, and we just hope that eventually they come to understand that there's another way to do it. Yes, absolutely. So I, I wanna I wanna run down, I, I put a little list together of of advice I want to give people. And I'd like you to chime in wherever you 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 feel okay. messy. Um, you know, the first thing is and and The first one is, is that everyone needs to understand that we're safe, right? How critical is that to trauma? Yeah. Well, absolutely. If we don't feel safe, then we're stuck in our um, fear-based responses, you know? It's important for everyone to focus on that universal truth because when we don't feel safe, we react out of fear. And when we react out of fear is when, you know, perhaps unhealthy behaviors and, you know, um, thoughts and beliefs. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think there's also that there's an underlying element of gratitude that goes along with that. If you can stop and realize that you are safe, no matter what's happening, that you're, then you, you begin to understand that your safety is priority. Your family's safety is priority. And despite the fact that this may, this may cause some financial pain for a lot of people, and that life may change for some people. Yeah. The fact that you are safe and that your family is safe is a building block to be able to, to navigate through the rest of it. Yes, yes. And, yeah. And I especially encourage parents to focus on that because our children read us. Yes. And we are very fearful. If we are panicky, then our children will perceive that. That's, that's, that's actually, that's absolutely right. Uh, that's a good reminder all the time. The children are always watching yep. and, um, and humans learn more by observing behavior as we've seen with the toilet paper than they do the words they hear. Yep. Uh, that, that is probably a full hours topic for, for another episode right there for sure. Yes. Um, so, but, so we're, you know, we want to remind people that, that you're safe. This isn't the plague. We're not, this isn't the end of the world. We hope. I mean, I, I'm not a prophet, I can't tell you, but I would say there's probably a 99.797% chance that this is not the end. The end. Right. Um, you know, we've watched China work on recovery. They have now reached the other side where the cases are dramatically dropping. So um, I think we can learn from, we can look at that experience and go, okay. That's right. That's right. And South Korea, we've seen South Korea get ahead of it with containment. Yes. And the testing. And they never did. They never did struggle with this. They've been on the right side of this whole thing. So hopefully we can do that with containment. We get the test kits. We're behind having the test kits in, uh, but they are starting to come in and hopefully we can begin screening people and, and, and so yeah. we're, we're safe. We're safe. We're not going to die. The toilet paper is going to be there next week. The food's going to be there next week. If not, your neighbors are there to help. So we're safe. Right. Yeah. Um, so with that said, stop and take a deep breath. Right. 
Yes. Deep breath. It may be the single best medicine for, for any, for stress that there is. And then we're not talking about meditation and mindfulness. We, we have a different com- conversation about that with right. people who are at different levels of trauma. We're just talking about giving your body what it needs and right. stopping and, and taking a deep breath. Yes. Take deep breaths in through the nose. Cause your nose has more capillaries than your mouth and your throat. So in through the nose, out through the mouth, breathe from your diaphragm. Cause one of the things that does when you breathe from the diaphragm is it pushes your diaphragm back against your vagus nerve, which has, which has a wonderful capacity to bring calm. So a lot of science behind that stop and take. Yeah. Yeah. And not to get too crazy scientific, but to expand on that, the, the vagus nerve sends signals to the amygdala. Yes. Which is the gateway. Right. And the the amygdala tells you if, and the, the example I use about the amygdala is, is if you're walking through Walmart parking lot and um, you hear a song playing some, in someone else's car is your favorite song. And what's your favorite song, Bobby? Um, um, California, Hotel California, the Eagles. Hotel California, you walk through Walmart parking lot, someone pulls up, they're listening to Hotel California, you're yeah. singing Hotel California's walk in the store and a bear comes around the corner, right? Okay. You now have to run. Or fight. I don't recommend that you fight. I recommend that you run. Of course, bears run fast, but you know, what are you going to do? You run away. When you recall the memory, yeah. you no longer heard Hotel California. Yes. Because yeah. the amygdala said, this is not important to our survival. Shut right. it down. Right. And that, that's the best analogy I can give. So the amygdala is the gateway and it decides... When we're, when we're stressed, what's important, what's not, that's why we become tunnel vision. So the vagus nerve sends a signal to the amygdala saying all is good. We're able to breathe because we hold our breath when we're stressed. Right. The vagus nerve says we're able to breathe. And the amygdala says, ah, everything's calm. And it helps to assist the vagus nerve in telling the rest of the body, bring it down. Yeah, we're okay. And it's that calming effect when we breathe deep and we feel it over our body. It's that sad, I call it the satisfactory breath. I love it. When you know you breathe, but when you breathe deep enough into a certain level, you feel the difference of the breath. Yes. And I think that's what it is right there. Yeah. So we just want people to breathe. Yeah. And it brings our rationale back. It brings back our decision making skills. Yeah. And our compassion. Yes. Um, I might also recommend that uh, we minimize our access to social media and news. Yeah. Anytime, but particularly right now. Yeah. We talked about what you feed grows. That's absolutely right. Um, and it's, I've noticed a difference. You and, and I'm sure everyone listening has as well. I see people all the time on social media say, I need to take a break. And they will get yep. off social media for a few days. There's a reason for that. It goes back to that 150 newspaper thing. Yep. Brains aren't designed to take in this much information this fast. It's overwhelmed. Yeah, for crying out loud, I was playing with Lincoln Logs for hours when I was a kid. When I was seven. And two-year-olds are swiping all over the place. It's mind-boggling. And I I don't think I don't think evolution's caught up with with science yet. So take a break. Yeah, so take on all the more, you know, you've got time with your kids now, you know, create a huge fort out of something. You know, (laughs) do something constructive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, journal. 
Sure. If you're overwhelmed with what's going on, write it down. I, I don't care if you burn it, throw it in the trash afterwards and no one ever reads it. Get it out. Yes. Absolutely get it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, or, or, or call a trauma recovery coach and book an appointment. I'm yeah. sorry. That was shameless, right? <laughs> or, you know, or if, if it helps you more, if another, you know, another expressive, we talk about these expressive, you know, modalities. So journaling, does it help you to draw? Would it help you to um, uh, needlepoint? Um, you know, some kind of, it's that creative process which allows us to express that part of our brain uh, and helps us to go ahead and calm and focus. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Very therapeutic. My, uh, my stepmother is a combat veteran. And she found a program that utilizes art or therapy for, for veterans with PTSD. And she swears by it, just absolutely yeah. swears by it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because it allows us to express things without language, which can be really frightening when you are really traumatized. So if you can express without language, it gives you a safeness. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so the last thing I want to say is tell people to, to just check in on your loved ones, yes. your friends, uh, your family, just have normal conversation. I know, um, I don't even want to tell people not to talk about what's going on because sometimes it helps to talk about it, yep. but we have to be careful not getting sucked into the negativity. You know, right. it's easy for people, misery loves company, right? And if one, it, it's contagious. You said it was contagious a minute ago. Right. And if I, it, so if, if you have some, a friend or family who is caught up, try to, try to be a positive influence for them. Yeah. Uh, and if we all do that for each other, we all have our moments, we all have our meltdowns. Um, you know, I felt, I felt that I've had a lot going on this week. I felt the stress myself because I took it upon myself to try to educate people what was going on. I'm so worried about my family and I, you know, I've got some other things going on. Um, right. I got caught up myself and I caught, I caught myself yeah. and some people aren't trained to teach themselves or haven't been through what I've been through or, or, or aren't at a level that level of awareness yet. So we can be that for each other. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, I, you know, say the same thing with, um, you know, with our trauma survivors, sometimes they need someone to vent to, but sometimes they just need someone to be with socially and not talk about any of the hard stuff Absolutely. together, you know, and laugh and, you know, now is the time to put together that family chat thread that just focuses on jokes or memes. Um, now is the time to start playing words with friends again. Um, you know, I have my wife and I, um, who are separated right now because of what's going on, um, I put a show on the TV and I get her on Zoom and I turn the laptop around and we watch television together. Yeah. you know it's it's we watch television we binge on netflix you know when we are together so um but, but, engaged but, with your loved ones but yeah but don't watch uh doomsday movies no no we're <laughs> watching cooking shows speaking of that whole media thing the, the all the all the i don't want to mention any of them by name but a lot of the, the television subscription services have jumped all over this and there are doomsday movies all over the place. 
Again. They're taking advantage of people's fear, giving them what, what they want. Right, because uh, they're going to watch their numbers and they're going to go, okay, the highest numbers are for these pandemic contagion shows. Let's find more or let's push these to the top. You know, when you sign into Netflix, there's some that are right there. Um, so again, just be careful what you feed and nurture in your life. So th that's, this is exactly what self-care is about. It's not participating in things that just because everyone else is. Yes. It's, it's taking the time to think about what is best for you and not participating in things that are detrimental to your, your mental and physical health. Exactly. It's that self-awareness that allows you to set boundaries. You know, when you think of boundaries about, I'm not talking to that coworker who's such a jerk. Yeah, boundaries can be such a things like, you know, I'm not going to watch the news for more than half an hour today. I'm not going to be on social media more than 20 minutes today. You know, we can set boundaries in terms of what we don't want to feed. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, and always, and, 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 and in addition, not only check on your, I mean, check on your elderly, yeah. check on your family members, check on your neighbors. Uh, they may need to just hear your voice. Yes. Um, so we, we should not, we should not forget them. Yeah. We, we should, you know, intentionally include them. Yeah. Yeah. Gather the whole family around that, at that phone and sing songs to grandma as she's isolated where she is. I've seen people stand outside the nursing homes and things outside the windows of their loved ones, you know, and wave at them. Yeah. Um, but yes, you know, choose to feed the compassion. Choose to feed the compassion. That's what's going to get through. That's what's going to, you know, get us through. Yeah, yeah. And, and like we said earlier, hopefully that'll, that'll make us slow down and realize our priorities and, and look at the things that we've gotten caught up in life and that we're, we're neglecting and we're forgetting. And, and that's a reminder for all of us and, and me included. Yes, exactly. Sure. So, um, okay. Thank you for being an amazing host. Well, thank you for being an amazing guest. Um, it, this has been, this, this conversation was so natural. I knew it would be. This is what I'm trying to do on my podcast is just yeah. have conversations that, that help people and um, clarity. I'm looking, I'm looking for clarity. I want to talk about the truth and help people be armed with the truth to make clear and concise decisions that, that benefit them. And um, you didn't disappoint. I knew, I knew this would be, this would be great. I'm really looking forward to, we have, we, we're on the schedule for several other episodes. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about, um, April is uh, Child Abuse Awareness Month and Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So we we are going to do, uh, you and I are going to have a couple of discussions about uh, sexual assault and child abuse and trauma and how that works. Um, right. And I imagine we have a lot to talk about between your story and my story and what we have to offer people. Yeah. Um, and then um, we're hoping to have you back in June. Okay. We talk about uh, NPE status and how that, uh, how that causes trauma in people who discover their MP status. That is a, that is a big thing. Um, a lot of people have, they say, I don't understand what the big deal is. And I don't, uh, you know, your father is your father and right. because they can't relate, but there is, there is a lot of trauma that comes along with this. Um, okay. and I'm really looking forward to you and I talking about that for June, which we've deemed MP awareness month. Yes. Um, you know, and I think something that if you want, if you want to 
something to team up along with NPE and do one um, show on would be adoption trauma. So if you wanted, just a, a suggestion, if you wanted to do one show that said, okay, you know, we've been talking about the NPE thing, now let's dabble a bit over into the area of adoption because it has some similar types of issues. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's a great idea, uh, especially for June. I mean, that really fits. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that would be a good one. Well, Bobby, I want to I want to thank you so much for for joining me and um, BobbyLParish.com. Uh, we we'll put Bobby we'll put your information on our website, and uh, if anyone wants to look up uh, the International Association of Trauma Recovery, I mean, we'll put it on our website. But you can Google it as well. Um, yeah. But I certainly want people to come to my website. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we do. Yep. <laughs> okay. Again, Bobby, thank you for joining me. And uh, I will really look forward to talking to you soon. Okay. Talk to you soon, Thanks, Brad. Bro. Take care. care. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. I want to thank you for watching. Uh, again, this is our second podcast. We greatly appreciate your support. We, we really want to ask that you like, share, and subscribe. That you, you share this and tell as many of your friends as you can. Uh, we're, and help us try to get the word out that we're committed to bringing you, uh, bring you information to help you make uh, better decisions to help enrich your life and enhance your, your mental and physical uh, health and well-being. So uh, with that said, uh, again, thank you. And uh, please uh, look forward to new upcoming uh, podcasts in the future. And until we see you again, please take care of yourself.